This is the Sensitive Matters Podcast, a podcast bringing empaths, perceptive people, creatives, unique projects, and sensitive matters into the spotlight. Join us for meaningful conversations that inspire and have the power to gently create awareness around sensitive and important matters such as mental health, conscious consumerism, sexuality, spirituality, ethical business, and much more. I am Christina Zipperlin, founder of the ethical jewelry brand Ananda Soul. I'm a highly sensitive human who values community, creative and spiritual exploration, and ways to make a positive impact. I'm also a psychology student and mental health and LGBTQIA advocate. We're tuning in from the magical island of Bali, where I've lived for over 12 years and is the home of my jewelry company that strengthens and gives back to the local community. Thank you for joining us for these conversations as we, together, explore sensitive matters. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, and thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. This podcast is brought to you and made possible by Ananda Soul Jewelry. I created Ananda Soul in Bali over 12 years ago to offer heartfelt, intentional jewelry that works with the community I grew to know and love on the island that has become my home. Ananda brings creativity, respect for Balinese ritual, and a wish to give back to the local community to everything we do. To learn more about our story, ethics, and to receive $15 of your first order when you sign up for a newsletter, head over to anandasoul.com. Hello and welcome to Sensitive Matters. Today, we are joined by a dear friend of mine. Chris Skidmore is a therapist registered with the Psychotherapy and Counseling Foundation of Australia, has a diploma in biodynamic craniosacral therapy, and has been a practicing astrologer for the last seven years. His unique approach blends astrology, myths, fairy tales, and their archetypal underpinnings. Chris also has his very own podcast, On the Soul's Terms, where he shares insight on well-known stories, astrology, mythology, archetypes, and legends from the past in conjunct with psychology about how they apply now. On today's episode, we'll be diving into the work that Chris does and one particular Greek goddess whose presence is playing a large part in my latest collection with Ananda Soul Jewelry called Tales from Within. Join us as we explore the world of myth and astrology with Chris Skidmore today on the podcast. Chris, welcome to Sensitive Matters. So we just launched a new collection, new jewelry collection called Tales from Within. And my inspiration behind that has been, like my own journey has been that dance of understanding my own intuition, receiving guidance from around me kind of like understanding the whole system of guidance, including tales, right? Tales from ancestors and my own particular stories, but also tales through myths and and archetypes that just have been around for so many years and generations. So that's like the underlying current of, of these creations that are, we're bringing out. And I know that you, with your work and your passions and expression in your own way have kind of brought these different forms of how we can receive guidance, the different tools of understanding kind of purpose, soul, the bigger picture, and then also putting it into these physical bodies that we're experiencing this lifetime in and how to merge it and how to kind of find our way in the in the most fulfilled or best ways possible. So I'm curious, um, yeah, how that journey has been for you, how you got to that, like what what's the passion underneath it and anything that, that you've learned. 
Yeah, well, thank you. Firstly, just thank you for inviting me on to speak about things that I really love and um, the mythic world. It just lights me up and, and um, I'm not sure exactly if there's like a linear track of how how I got here in a way, but certainly in my early 20s or maybe mid-20s, I'm, I'm 44 now and in my um, in my mid-20s I was... I was a bit of a seeker, you know, early early to mid twenties, and and in that seeking, um, I just stumbled upon a lot of interesting people from um, that that seemed to have been sort of maybe exiled or discarded from society as far as the wisdom they were sharing. Um, and there were actually, it's a very Artemis like thing. There were three women um, that I met in England. Uh, one was a psychic medium, so she was sort of like working in that middle realm. Um, one was, I think she would call herself like a light worker, so she was working in that more upper world realm. And one was a druid shaman, yeah, pagan druid shaman sort of thing, uh, working in that lower realm. And they sort of came one after the other, and um, that just really just reminded me of something that was that had been long forgotten it's not something i'd been exposed to before properly but um the sort of things that was known by those women was things that i got really curious about how how are you, how are they knowing those things what's the what's the function behind that what's the what are they tapping into and then questions about reality to be honest like what is reality now that this is inside rather than outside which is another thing we may talk about where, when it comes to like wise woman versus witch and um, some of these these concepts. So over the years, I discovered astrology, um, mainly learning about my own moon sign, which just resonated so deeply. And then, then I just got deeper and deeper into the curiosity around that. Um, but every piece of astrology that I was reading Whenever one of the astrologers would discuss myths, even in just a cursory way or just dipping into a little bit of myth, I'd just read it and reread it and go back to it again and again. And it was around about the time I was getting into like the Joseph Campbell hero's journey, you know, hero with a thousand faces, these kinds of concepts at that time. So I just wanted to know more and more and more, but the doorway to myth I feel is, um, you got to just hang out at that doorway. And so I did just hang out at that doorway. It's only really, to be honest, in the last maybe four years, um, even though I'd had a lot of exposure to myth, that it started to drop and make sense. And um, I found my own home mythically in the Greek, classical Greek stories, classical Greek um, statues, vases, pictures, anything that came from classical Greece was uh, I've realized is really just my jam. And so that's sort of in brief how, how these, these stories sort of like kept flirting with me from the, from the outside kind of thing, kept flirting with me and telling me there's something to really explore here, which, yeah, up to you where, how, how much you want to go into talking about that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, we'll, we'll dive into We'll see where it takes us. (laughs) I'm curious, though, like from that, how do you feel has your own life changed, like your own understanding of? Hmm. Immeasurably, um, it's changed because, um, you know, the mythic framework, it doesn't give you necessarily answers, uh, but it invites deeper and broader and more interesting questions and um that was the thing you know i was i was raised in a catholic tradition um monotheistic tradition and around about the age of 12 kind of split with the church and so but faith had had always been a really important part of my understanding of reality and knowing that there's something beyond me um but then the beyond that i was given was pretty much like a a bearded man in the sky and then another man on the earth and um that's it in a way right like that that was it and so then the opening of polytheism and the complexity and of how there's no distinct good and evil beings in fact everybody um every greek mythological figure is ambiguous (laughs) in a way right like 
including Artemis. So there's amazing, beautiful, incredible things about them and really disturbing things about them, all of them. Um, and they fight each other. They get into battles with each other. They have tension with each other. And then as that has, as I've spent more time wandering around, because that's what it feels like. It's a world and you wander around in that world and check certain things out and feel certain things in that world. And then having done that for a while now, it's like I can no longer think black and white. I can, I can think in many shades and it's unavoidable because it, it, it sparks the imagination. And it's an ancient imagining that starts to happen. We can see that historically in the Renaissance period where the those mythic figures started to filter back through. And then there was a huge resurgence of beautiful art that still lives to this day as some of the best and most profound and most deep thought-provoking stuff ever made. And then that was shut down again and we go back to a different kind of imagining. <laughs> so it's changed my life mainly because it ignited an ancient way and it ignited my imagination which gave me um a way of seeing the world that is just completely different now than the me that didn't have myth yeah i can feel the energetics of it and that deeply resonates um and i you know i haven't dove into myth per se that deeply but my own explorations of reality that inability to to see in black and white and almost that being one of the remedies to some of the major sources of sufferings in this world, right? Mm. Because it's that, it's that ability to just like shut somebody out and being like, you're evil or you're good. And then when you dive yeah. deeper into story, like I'm a writer, so I always find that fascinating when you actually like good writing, even if it's like a memoir, you have to show the full picture of a person to actually fall in love with them, right? And so it's it's mm. that like we actually wouldn't be able to just write somebody off or judge them if we knew their whole story, right? And to then yeah reflect that in these ancient myths of of acknowledging that, right? Of mm. there isn't just the one good bright figure and the one dark figure and you fall into one or the other. Yeah. I think it was Jung that said, you know, in in monotheism, the, the good becomes much more good and the bad becomes much more bad. And, and it's really the the shadow of the all good good is the devil, you know, and that's and the devil is not a character in uh, Greek mythology. There there's no um there's no sinister figure in uh yeah. in in Greek mythology. And I just love that. You know, Hades is the god of the underworld. He's not, he's one of the three brothers of, um, he's a brother of Zeus. He's not, he's not cast out. He actually drew straws to see who gets which realm kind of thing. And he just ended up there in the underworld. And that's a beautiful thing that he helps guide the souls through their, um, their end of life process and helps guide them back into the waters kind of thing. You know, like it, he, he's not, he does bad things because they all do bad things, <laughs> but he doesn't do bad things because his realm is the underworld or he's somehow related to hell. And that's, that's very healing for me in the, um, the tradition that I was brought up and very heaven and hell, good or bad, good and evil um, tradition that is still very much at play in the world, whether we acknowledge the mythic under, underpinnings of it or not. But you just you don't need to look very far to see how one side's all good and one side's all bad and that's how um the myths the absence of myth doesn't allow us to think in a way that is like hmm you know it doesn't really allow us to to take in the whole it just allows us to exile um the other yeah and like because we're both psychology geeks like what, what then come comes through for me is you know the parts of the brain that are actually not accessible when we when we live in fear and so like when we're in fear, that's that's the outlook of the world that becomes enticing suddenly. That I need to see that what's safe, and I need to like know what's unsafe and what's dark. Mm. And when we go into like regulation, we suddenly can see that whole world. And for some reason, that that just that connection just kind of hit. Where I'm like, yeah, it is that ability if, to um, really see. 
I wonder if we're to to go off of that. I wonder if when we're in fear, we go back to the mythic underpinning of the collective, like a, a because you know we're we're in fear. We just need to have something that's certain, right? And so then we come back to like, well, what's certain in this culture? And um, in this culture, it's certain that there's good and bad. And so you can just really settle into that. Oh, cool. Okay, I can see the good and I can see the bad, and that makes me feel okay because i'm connecting back to the origin story of this particular culture and it's such fake, at least fake comfort because then you constantly have to look out like you can't stop looking for a second because then you're like constantly needing to assess what's safe and what's unsafe exactly so, yeah 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 hyper vigilance yeah. comes in then and then and then we're in this big hyper vigilant <laughs> world right like it's it's crazy yeah. and i think one of the remedies that i found to all of that madness is um is myth so that that's where that yeah. that's where it sits for me and that's what it's done that's what it's done for me and I, and it's really i mean it was largely inaccessible for me for a long time it just i just knew the the glimpses and glimpses and glimpses and then i was fortunate enough to find a um a mentor in the last few years who's a scholar of the classics and an astrologer um and in his you know 70s and really took me under his wing and so that's really that's just given enormous gifts to my life. Yeah. Let's bring in Artemis because it is something that um, drew me to her that, you know, that essence that she's so generous and at the same time so ruthless. Like I feel mm. you, you, I know, have way more to say to that, but it is that inability to just see her as like, only in one way right that's not how she shows up um, not at all mm. yeah <laughs> let's bring her in a little bit for anyone um who's not familiar with her at all so the the pieces in, in the collection that i just launched that carry her essence one's called force of nature and the other one's called wild spirit and there are numerous things that drew me to her like she's She's known as the goddess of hunt and wilderness um, and also the goddess of fertility and of childbirth and many, many things more. But I'm, I'm just wondering as I kind of evoke her and bring her in, what's your, what's your like first impression? Like that, what, what does Artemis mean to you? Mm. Yeah. Artemis is a connection to the, to the wild self for sure that's a um that's a nice starting point to to get a sense of her um it's it might be good for the audience to sort of get that artemis when she was taken into the roman tradition became diana she also has a name cynthia because she comes from mount synthus and then in the modern day she's actually still around in the figure of wonder woman who if you remember the movies she's known as diana um, which is a direct nod to, so they are basically saying that Wonder Woman is Artemis and the, the whole sort of connection to the Amazonians and things like this. So, so we get, um, we get a modernized version because she's certainly, they did re a reasonable job, um, in comparison to some of the other, you know, not great jobs they've done with the old figures. Um, but just to get a sense, like an image for the listener that doesn't hasn't even heard of this word Artemis or doesn't know who this is, and you know, for for many people that it's like what, who, what, you know, which is totally fine. But but to know that it's also um, it leads into the Wonder Woman <laughs> sort of archetype in a way. So that gives some people a sense of like, okay, I got a picture there of who she is and what she's about in the modern day. And then from there, we may be able to go and clean that image up to bring it back to like, what did the Greeks um, see her as? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think her origin story is very, um, it's very instructive in that she was, she's the child of Zeus and Leto. Leto is her mother and Zeus is the, the father. So Zeus is the god of gods, had many encounters with many, many different people all throughout Greek mythology. And... She has a twin brother, Apollo, and Apollo is the sun god, and she's the moon goddess. So what happens is that uh, Leto is pregnant. Hera, at that time, is the goddess of childbirth. She doesn't want to help her with her childbirth 
because Hera's husband is Zeus. Um, so she's on her own and she gives birth to Artemis and Artemis comes out and then turns around and midwifes her brother Apollo. So she's born and she straight away goes into role of midwife to midwife her own mother through the process of birthing the sun god Apollo. That's a really nice image to get as far as like, well, who is this? And and it's something about these figures like Artemis, like she's born without any question of who she is. She knows who she is. She knows what gifts she brings to the world. And she knows it so well that she's willing to just upon being born, start doing it. (laughs) So I like that about like lunar knowledge, you know, it's like, it's not a journey she has to go on. It's not a hero's journey to become. Um, it's a just isness uh, that that she represents in that very first story. Like, yeah, I am the goddess of midwifery. I am the goddess of the wild. I, you know, like these are things she's going to go out and explore. But it's not like she has to discover who she is. She knows who she is. Mm-hmm. I love that piece. I just like. Um, the the inscription on the back of the pieces is this is my life and and it's it's that knowing right the, yeah like it's that knowing that knowing and then you just go go on um, how did she and the movement you made of the knowing just to tell the audience that is listening that it is like a that Christina made like a a fist and then came down. And it's a, it's that sort of like down into her body. It's like, it's an intrinsic cellular, cellular knowing. And it's, um, yeah, it's just, it just, there's just an isness to it that she is one thing and not other things, right? Like it doesn't, she doesn't know herself as like everything. She knows herself as specifically Artemis. That always inspires me to get a sense of like, because that is lunar knowing. And as we get into the complexity of Artemis, we can also see how she, she sort of changes and everything, that, and that's part of her too. Um, but intrinsically, she is who she is. It's a beauty to that. How does it unfold for her? Well, oh, goodness. I mean, <laughs> so then <laughs> she's in so many different things. I, I guess like there's a generation before that of the Greek gods where you've got Helios, the sun god, and um, uh, Selena the moon goddess and Eos, the goddess of the dawn. And those are the three that are sort of like, um, you know, Helios and Selena in particular as the sun god, the moon goddess. And that's a much more sort of old school, you know, like one's driving the sun chariot across the sky, the golden sun chariot and one's driving the silver moon chariot in the, in the nighttime. So they become then these twins, Artemis and Apollo, and they're very um, closely linked to each other. They're very, it's a very sort of sacred bond between the two twins, the, the brother and sister, and they love each other intensely. Um, they've got each other's back. And they also, there's certain moments of jealousy and things that also happen between them. Um, so it explores the, the topic of twins and it explores the topic of the, the, the solar and the lunar archetypally as far as like solar consciousness which is much more rational logical linear and lunar consciousness which is much more felt sense intuitive and um embodied and these two that are that this is why i love the greeks mythology because they just play it out through their characters you know the tension of that they're obviously twin flames in a way right they're they're linked to each other forever um, but there's a tension as well between that. They're, they're trying to be differentiated from each other, but they're there together. And so a story that I that I love that I'll, I'll read out that on her third birthday, and this is just so such a fun one in a way, in, a, in her third um, birthday, she's like on her father's lap, Zeus's lap, and he asks her what she would like for her birthday and her response is that and without hesitation she responds with six things um number one is to be allowed to live without having to be distracted by love and marriage so that gives us a good sense of like what she's not about um number two a bow and arrow just like her brothers so she wants to also have a bow and arrow and she has like the silver bow and arrow versus the gold bow and arrow that that um apollo the sun god has 
Number three, a hunting costume and freedom from having to dress up like a lady. So she wants freedom from that, that whole thing. Number four, the job of bringing light into the world. Number five, 60 young nymphs to be her companions and to help care for her hunting dogs. So nymphs are kind of like spirits of the forest. And number six, all the mountains of the, on the earth to live on. So that's the six things she wants for her third birthday. <laughs> she knows what she wants. Huh? <laughs> yeah, she knows exactly what she wants. And again, what she doesn't want. So she's not interested in love and marriage and she's not interested in um, being a lady and she, there are certain elements of life she's not interested in, which is what puts her at odds with um, her sort of the other side of her, which is Aphrodite, who's the goddess of love and desire and uh, sensuality, sexuality and all this kind of thing. And in that way, Artemis is a virginal goddess, and, but you know that's a tricky word for what we know today and how we hear that word today. But um, a, a simple way to say it is that she's self-contained, that she's se fully self-contained. So that's kind of like phase one. Um, of course, Greek tragedy, so you can sense that something's going to happen. She's going to run into a she's going to run into that opposite energy at some point or maybe at many points. Right. But, um, but yeah, I can sort of pause there to get a sense of like who, who she is, her connection to the wild, her connection to, um, you know, she's a huntress. She's kind of like the chief huntress of all of, um, Greek mythology, but she's also a protector of the young animals and young children. Um, so she's a protector of pregnancy, childbirth, and young children, even young animals. So she makes sure that everybody is sort of like taken care of, but at the same time, she's a huntress. So once you're full grown, it's game on, right? Like then, then she's out in the wild and she's hunting you. And then, so there's two sides of that lunar goddess principle where, um, yeah, she's very nurturing and caring and she's going to come and kill you too. And you as the human have to be in that of like, how is this? How is this lunar goddess, um, both of those things? How can she be out to get me on the one minute and a full protector of me and my kind on, an, in the, on another minute? The ambiguity. What do you take that. from that? Like, what do you, what do you make that mean <laughs> in your own life, you know, when, when we kind of play with her energies and call her in? Yeah, well, it makes me think, obviously, it makes me think of mother, as far as like the the nurturing mother and the devouring mother in that sense, although that's not fully who she is, that's more Hera and other goddesses take on the full mother archetype. Um, what I think about it is relationship to nature, and she gives us an image of like, yeah, nature is beautiful and profound and alive and embracing and all-encompassing, and we are nature and getting in touch with the animal self. And then also realizing when we get in touch with the animal self, we might find also in there a killer and, uh, and we might find violence there or we might find, we might find violence in nature, right? Like I think what springs to mind is that book Into the Wild where that kid, you know, this was a big book that turned into a movie, I guess, 90s and 2000s. Um, and it's so inspiring. And then he's eventually killed by nature, you know, so because that's nature too, like the bear maybe beautiful to you for a minute and then may turn on you if, if it's hungry and just kill you or if, in, if it looks at you a certain way, right? The dogs, so the hunting dogs, are um, the deer and the dogs um, in particular are sacred to Artemis. The dogs are essentially violent, you know, and also loving. And so we can get a sense of even our domesticated dogs when, when your dog does something that is like, animal-like as in attacks something in front of you like oh my god no it was domesticated out of that so she brings in the tension of the domestic and the wild um so how does that impact me well it impacts me and it impacts me because that um because that that's the essential tension point isn't it of what would i do if i was free and that's what she shows you she's free She's, she's only, um, she's dedicated to the wild, which is why she's virginal. So she can't, she can't really sacrifice anything of her dedication to that. 
but she's not in intimacy, which is why she's at odds with. This is the thing when um, sometimes in the modern age we're like, become this goddess. It's like, no, don't become that goddess. Um, <laughs> like, be in the tension of that goddess and another goddess. You know, that that's a good way to think about it. Whereas, because then it allows Artemis to fully show you that entire archetype and everything great about it and everything disturbing about it. And then you can put her in at odds with, um, with say, Hera or you can put her at odds with Aphrodite. And then you can see her tension point with the mother or with the lover. Um, and as humans, we're living in that. We don't get to be, um, I guess some of us can choose that. But if you choose that as a human, the other side becomes the shadow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like what I'm, what I'm kind of receiving from that is, is like the resisting that temptation to hand myself over entirely to, to some force or goddess or like, oh, this is my savior, right? They're they're only good, and if I, I'll be protected by them, right? And and so it brings back that, you know, in a way that that piece of like, for me to fully know who I am, right? Evoking that from her like this mm. is my life and yes i can as you're saying in in juxtaposition of these of these archetypes of these energies be like yes there's things that i can receive from that and there's things that i can learn to be like no actually that that that's not me and to to mm. kind of reach that that point that she did as a three-year-old right of <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is what i want and this is what i don't want and this is my particular expression and it might not be everybody else's expression right that's not what aphrodite's expression is that's her yeah and yeah, yeah exactly and and so then and this is just such an important point to really get that um yeah as the as the humans in that are living our lives it's really dangerous to be consumed by an archetype so to be consumed by just one which is like maybe that's a way to get out of the tension of all of this life that we have to live. Like we have to be the ones making hard decisions. And of course, there's a desire to be free of that. And sometimes the archetypes can be like, oh, I can be like Artemis and be just dedicated to the hunt, whatever the hunt is in your life. So maybe I'll just be um, in my career and calling and not at all in, in love and partnership, right? And it's like, well, you are not, a god or a goddess you're a human and um and actually the choice to go too far in the direction of one archetype does pick up the shadow of the other and that's how to work with wisdom within these so we get to to experience the stories and like how does that play out between them everything in greek mythology is amplified which is why it's often over the top which is turns people off greek mythology a lot because it can be very violent and there can be a lot of um transgressions and it can be like oh this this type of mythology condones these awful behaviors it's like it doesn't condone them but it acknowledges that they're in existence and because it's in existence they write about them they tell stories about them it's pre-moralistic story it's pre-moralistic and that's hard for the modern mind to get their head around it's like are you saying i should be hunting animals in the no i'm we're not saying anything like that we're exploring an archetype and then where it lands for you what it calls forward in you helps you as you say make statements about who i am and who i'm not so artemis says i'm not going to dress up like a lady i'm not going to do that um getting married to a man thing that's not going to be my game very clearly yeah Uh, you did you did mention that she eventually does encounter those dynamics in her life. Can you share a little bit more about those aspects? Yeah, I mean, this is, I think, where we get down to the real complexity of her her existence in a way. So, um, you know, I'll spare some of the details and just give, give, because I don't want to bring in too many names and things, but let's just say that there's a character named Orion who, we've, who we all probably have heard of from Orion's belt and everything in the sky um and orion is a very handsome uh man and he you know very beautiful man has all the adornments and everything and an amazing hunter so you know artemis comes in contact with orion is like wow this is this is my kind of man you know but he's been told by this king 
to clear out this whole land of wild, of the wild, right? So his form of hunting is like, whoa, oh man, he's not stopping. You know, mm. he doesn't know where to, he, he is beautiful and has all this, this electricity and, and pull to him. So she's really pulled towards that, but then he won't stop. He's just going to kill everything. So she has this awful tension around that. And this is a thing in Greek mythology. There's like so many different versions of this story and they're all kind of a little bit confusing, but there's a, there's some kind of a transgression. Like he, he, they get together, they're sort of hunting together, but then he doesn't stop. And then uh, he sort of turns on her. That's one of the stories. Another version of it is that, that Apollo, um, the brother gets jealous and basically says to her, like, I bet you can't hit that thing way over there in the distance. It's like a, a boar or something. You know, she thinks that she can't see exactly what it is. And she, she takes the challenge and, and gets the bow and arrows. And, and obviously, because she's Artemis, strikes it without a problem. But it turns out being Orion. So in that version of the story, Apollo, who's, who's jealous of her finding somebody else, <laughs> sort of manufactures the, the thing where she kills him. That's one version of the story. And another version, basically, he, he, uh, he transgresses against her. Any version of the story basically comes out the same way, though, that eventually she's so broken by this, she's so hurt by this encounter that she has this never again statement. And I think this is the shadow of Artemis energy that, that is really a beautiful one to look at in the world and in the soul and in the self because we all get hurt by love along the way because eros also has arrows you know like it's a that 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 arrow hurts in ways Mm -hmm. that nothing else really can um possibly because we really care really deeply Mm -hmm. that's why it hurts so much and Mm -hmm. she says artemis says well she kind of goes like i knew i shouldn't have got involved with men i knew i shouldn't have got involved with love never again and then sends the scorpion out into the sky so Orion gets released because he's he's died. He gets released as the uh, constellation of Orion. And on the opposite side of the sky, even today, is the scorpion of Scorpio. So the two follow each other around the sky forever, basically. The scorpion always, always following and hunting and trying to take him out. Now, then she's in never again mode, right? So she goes back to the wild. She just gets her nymphs around her. And she makes sure she's completely protected and never seen by, never never encountering again. And I think this is the element of, of Artemis's journey that we can really take in. Like, where is my never again mm-hmm. feeling? Or, mm-hmm. you know, if we look out, if we look into ourselves, like when was that moment where you encountered love and got hurt by it and went never again? It's not necessarily that everyone will have that feeling, but I'm sure a lot of people do uh, know this experience never again you know and so then the sort of final uh chapter of this story in a way is um tragedy it's greek tragedy but uh artemis is there bathing naked and it's just her nymphs around and everything and there's another hunter that enters the scene named Acteon, and Acteon loses his whole hunting party now he's Acteon's just a good guy he's just a king he's just like off with a hunting party He's not involved in anything, but then he stumbles in to this grove and Artemis is there naked and she looks at him. You can imagine this moment, like he doesn't know where he is. He's like, oh my God, I'm sorry. He's trying to cover his eyes and back away from this thing. And all her goddess fury comes out. Now, all that goddess fury was really, should be directed at Orion and everything that happened there, but it's buried now. And when Mm -hmm. it comes out, it gets directed fully at Actaeon the innocent and she does something and this is greek mythology warning content warning she um she turns Acteon into a stag which don't forget is her own um her own sacred animal and he runs as a stag into the wilderness and his own dogs catch his scent and track him down and kill him don't forget the hunting dogs are also sacred to artemis so we got this guy really amplified, really, you know, wow, okay, this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, feels like I'm just sitting with the, you know, when you're speaking to the never again and 
I definitely yeah. have had have had those moments and to see in a way what comes of it, right? The pain that can come from that or the the yeah. ability to hurt that can come from that. The ability to hurt. Yeah, and I think you know what I what I why I love the Greek stories is that, that they don't give you a solution. Um they don't give you necessarily a way to find your way out, but they do show you, you know, tragedy, which is to say like if you go with never again, there's every chance you have that Acteon experience, you know. So it's kind of like let the gods and goddesses play out the most horrific stuff so you don't have to. So if you can yeah. imagine it playing out that way, you don't have to play it out that way. And that's to me is the medicine. So we can say like, okay, yes, I've been hurt. Yes, there's pain. There's pleasure, pl- pleasure and pain when it comes to love and the pain can be unbearable. And yeah, I put my armor up and I'm in never again mode. And is there a way for me to to find healing and help around that? Yeah. Yeah. And what also comes though is like that never again energy, like how to still honor it, right? Because it was against Mm. what she knew was truly who she is, was true. Like she knew that from like being three years old and In a way, mm. she like trespassed that, and and to honor the like the lesson from it of like yeah, and I can honor that that's not my path to like never again go there without the the hardening of the the resulting tragedy, right? How, yeah. Where is that? Like, how can I find the help and the healing while still honoring what I'm taking from that? That I don't need to repeat that. Like, I. I don't need to ever do that again, but in, with a softness yeah. to it of like, because exactly. that is who I am and I can be true to that, but I don't need to hurt anybody by staying true to that. And that's such a beautiful, um, yeah, you bring up the layer under the layer there of, of betrayal, you know, that she's, the story seems that she's been betrayed by either Apollo, her brother, or she's been a pet betrayed by orion himself or there's other versions you know but ultimately as you say she betrayed her knowing of who she is and she transgressed against who she knows herself to be and yeah that that led her into a hardening that that led to the tragedy as you say and the softening into that of like yeah this is the complexity isn't it it's as as the humans we we can hear stories like this and and find relationship to this. And, um, you know, obviously astrologically, and there's an astrologer named Jason Holly who goes really deeply into this this material and he's just fantastic. So if your listeners want to look him up or already know about him, just really um, recommend going and and listening to him. But, um, you know, as an astrologer, that's part of the Scorpio mythology is is this piece because it's a scorpion. It's literally the scorpion of Scorpio that she sets loose on um, on Orion, <laughs> and then and so we are dealing with like really hard emotional responses to things and and real deep tragic pain, and the myth allows us to hover around and linger in places that are really uncomfortable for a little longer because it's not happening to us, but we know what it's referring to. And when we lose stories like this out of our culture, then when something tragic happens to you, like a betrayal or a transgression or um, something violent, there's no real story to spend your time in. Yeah. yeah and as you're saying that, yeah. like just the other day, um, as I was working through some of my own stuff and I often do so through writing and it's uncomfortable. It's like, really? I have to, like, do I really have to write about this stuff? But I know mm. there's healing in it. So I'm like, come on, keep going. And and as you're saying, like, the gift of these stories, of these myths is that we don't have to live through it. But just in this conversation that we've had, there's so many parallels of my personal life where it reminds me of situations and there's a there's a softening in me and a relief of like oh like a glimpse of the of the bigger picture of of just a this is not all in vain there's there's a something bigger behind it all and Mm. 
Yeah, it's it, it's exactly what you're saying, you know, how you said in the beginning, what draws you in. It's it's you know, we have these stories to to live through them and we can kind of receive the healing where we where it resonates. And I remember you saying another yeah. time we spoke how in different times it, it resonates in different ways, right? You you kind of pull different things from it each time you kind of exactly. revisit the same exact same exact right it always is a little bit different but same exact story or myth um and that i mean what a what a treasure that is in a way in to have stories that you can go back to that that change with you and that's why you know these when we go back to myth there's a difference between mythology and someone who's written the story you know because someone writes a story they bring all of their own stuff to it they can't help it but myth didn't wasn't written it was, um, you know, it was written down later, but it was dreamed up, you know. It was dreamed up and a lot of different bards and, you know, poets and storytellers told multiple versions of the story. So so the, the beauty of myth is that it never, um, even as I'm telling you this, this story of Orion, there's so many variations, you know. I'm going into this one because this is what is here and alive at the moment for us to discuss. And it's such a um essential part of the artemis uh mythology in my mind but we could go to the same story and get a completely different thing you know which is the ambiguity of story which is why the modern you know solar world doesn't is is sort of done with it like no we want to move away from the mythological and into the uh rational and logical and the amount that we lose by doing that is is actually really phenomenal especially in the in the soulful places like the ability to sit with things that are just really hard and like you say encourage us to see it as part of a timeless part just to even to connect to the timelessness of our own stories even the tragedy of our stories are part of that timelessness it's not happening as you say in vain it's not happening because i'm being punished by some all good god because i've done some all bad things even in past lives or something or before I was even born or just the fact that I am born and then I'm being punished for that by these things. Like the idea of that, no, you know, no, it, it's not like that. But, yeah, we may have to wrestle with some of these gods and goddesses for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but, again, the piece that I feel when I hear that, right, it it just makes me th- – and it has been a bit of a personal – mantra and, and a reason why I wrote it on the back of those pieces, but th- this is my life piece of how can I kind of make peace with past versions of myself and and just mm. fully own that of this this is my life with mm. all that it that it comes, right? The past lives and the ancestors and this particular version of it and the choices that this particular version has made up until now. Yeah is still gonna make yeah and and being able to be with all those old regrets and remorses and and pains and and self-betrayals and everything and and see it in a greater context of like yeah there was something that sort of had to happen um here there was something that i just if i was a different place something different would have happened but i'm not you know so and it just helps you get real it's funny isn't it because it's old stories ancient stories not even from this time and place but they are timeless so they help you get real in a they help you get real with yourself Mm -hmm. yeah you know and And drops the what if and drops the what if it's done it's done and for some reason i was it was it was part of my fate something that the the Greeks really explored as well. And mm-hmm. and that helps us to at the very least settle into it and go like, yeah, at the very least I know that this is my wrestling match. <laughs> mm. Oh, thank you. So rich. So yummy. Welcome. Mm. Um, a little slowly kind of wrap this delicious conversation up. Um, <laughs> for anybody who kind of fell in love with your storytelling and um, just the, the work that you do. How can they find you? How can they work with you? Yeah, the, the website is on the soulsterms.com. And so the, um, I guess the statement 
at the heart of my work is on the soul's terms. And, and I have a podcast exploring stories and, and all sorts of different stories. I have really interesting people coming on. It's effectively an astrology podcast, but I would say rooted a little deeper in the mythology. Um, so lots of stories and explorations on that. And you can find everything else on the website. Amazing. And with a bit of luck, we'll be, I'll be into the, the teaching role pretty soon and bringing for, through a few things and, and um, having ways for others to access some of this stuff in a, using the step-down transformers to, to, um, to bring it to more people. Mm, yes. Yes, I'm cheering that on. <laughs> Amazing. Same. We'll, we'll put you. the website in the show notes. And yeah, thank you awesome. so much, Chris. Amazing. Yeah, well, thank you for thinking of me. And, um, mm-hmm. and you know, it is just an area that I love to, I love to enter. So thanks for the mm-hmm. opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for Sensitive Matters. If you haven't had a chance yet, please subscribe on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast from. And if you have a chance, please rate and review if you're listening via Apple Podcast, as it really helps more people discover the show to listen to these incredible conversations. This podcast is brought to you from Bali and made possible by my ethical jewelry company, Ananda Soul. You can check out our website and all of our ethically handmade jewelry at anandasoul.com. You'll also receive a $15 gift card on your first purchase when you subscribe to our newsletter, so make sure not to miss out on that as well. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to sharing more of Sensitive Matters with you.